One of the ways environmentalists are able to see the effects of climate change in the Arctic comes from film footage shot in the 1920s by San Rafael native Luis Boyd. Born in 1887, Boyd used her family's gold mining fortune to make expeditions to the North Pole in the early 20th century. She started out mostly as a tourist, shooting footage of polar bear hunting, but she ended up becoming a serious scientific researcher. Boyd's films are remarkable today because of the changes they can show in the Arctic ice. Back in her day, they were remarkable because she was traveling and exploring at a time when many women were expected to stay corseted and closeted at home. The story of Louise Boyd is one of many used as inspiration for a new film and music performance project based around the lives of pioneering women adventurers. It's called Glorious Ravage. KALW's Julie Kane explains. Here we go. And start. The name Glorious Ravage comes from a letter British explorer Isabella Bird sent to her sister while on a voyage to Hawaii. The year was 1874. Monday evening, March 3rd, sitting at the door of a hut at the end of the world. This is the height of the last and most glorious ravage, a ravage which has had no precursors, as it can have no successors, for I am really alone. Isabella Bird was a daughter of aristocrats. She made many voyages all over the world before she died in 1904, venturing out when most upper-class women lived constrained lives, tied to home and family and not much else. She was physically ill whenever she was home. And then she would just go on a ship for three months and wind up somewhere beautiful and exciting and interesting. And she would write about how fantastic her health was. That's glorious Ravage composer, project leader, and musician Lisa Mesacapa. Her project brings together 14 musicians, one vocalist, and four filmmakers in a series of live performances, all inspired by Victorian-era women adventurers, like Isabella Bird. They wanted to go deep into the desert. They wanted to go way to the top of the mountain. They wanted to be in the heart of the jungle. As a female artist, it's a quest that Mesacapa understands. It was in my late 30s when I started reading a lot of these things, and I was looking around at what all the other women in my family did that are not what I did, <laughs> what I do. And you think about all the choices that you make that send you in one direction or another. Mesacapa plays stand-up bass. She started as a teenager on Staten Island. Kind of jamming with guys in basements and garages, and it was I was always the only chick. You know. Nowadays, she's a highly regarded experimental jazz improviser, which is kind of like being an explorer. The idea of adventuring is really related to improvising for me and kind of having the sense that I know I need to go somewhere. I don't know exactly where. Well, nothing is one food because everything is a pool of information. It's oh, kind of like you walk in a room and there's all these objects. It's not linear. Oh, okay. You know. At a glorious Ravage rehearsal, Mesacapa conducts a room full of some of California's top improvisers. A percussionist drops lengths of chain into a small brass bowl. There's a harmonium and a fiddle. A tangle of cables connects a laptop to an assortment of strange electronic keyboards. And at the center of it is Mesacapa, with her arms wrapped around her big bass, her eyes flitting between her music stand, the players, and a nearby laptop showing one of the 
films that'll be projected at the performance. It all has to work together. The musicians will perform a live score for the movies. For one section, she and filmmaker collaborator Conrad Steiner wanted to move away from the focus on aristocratic European travelers. We were really interested in trying to figure out how to find some place for these other voices who, uh, of the people who are in all of these places in Africa or in the U.S. Um, or in any of these places where people were visiting from some kind of colonial passport. Together, they found the writings of Sarah Winnemucca, a Paiute activist and diplomat who grew up in Nevada and California in the mid-1800s. Winnemucca lectured widely, started a Native American school, and advocated for her people with the federal government. And I found a letter of hers in the Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley where she was writing um, to the head of Indian Affairs, and she's really making a fantastic case about uh, what could have happened if only this had been done, or if only you had asked us, if only you had given us this opportunity. Winnemucca's story inspired a song called For the Dusky Mourner. It's a line from her book, Life Among the Paiutes, the first known autobiography written by a Native American woman. Your so-called civilization sweeps inland from the ocean wave, but oh my God, leaving its pathway marked by crimson lines of blood and strewn by the bones of two races, the inheritor and the invader. And I'm crying out to you for justice, yes, pleading for the far-off plains of the West, for the dusky mourner whose tears of love are pleading for her husband or for their children who are sent away from them. Um, let's just work on a few little sections, I guess. We, the horns know their part, I feel like. And go. Another song in the show takes the audience into the heart of early San Francisco. It's called City of Wonders, and it's based on the travels of Ida Pfeiffer, an Austrian woman who visited in 1874. She was not impressed. She kind of says, well, San Francisco is the city of wonders, but this place, who would ever want to be here? Only people who are only interested in money would ever hang out at a place like this, and it's all sand dunes, and there's no view, and it's chaos. It's hysterical. Mesacapa says she sees a resonance between Pfeiffer's account and the city today. And she goes on a whole list of how everything is so expensive. And it's so funny because a little bit, it's, it mirrors a little bit of the tension now with demographics about other people who are here making a lot of money for and other jobs. And it made me feel like maybe this is the character of this place. It's not the exception. We always act like the next bubble is all the you know, freeloaders coming in. But maybe that's who we are. Sometimes we understand who we are when we see ourselves through someone else's eyes. And sometimes we understand ourselves when we travel far away from everything we know. You're embracing those surprises as like the goal. And you're embracing those surprises as a, a place where magical things can happen between people, where you can be yourself, but also someone can change your mind. And that's the idea behind the Glorious Ravage Project, a collaboration between the past and the present brought to life through film and music. And so I think it's so relevant to how people are in the world together. It's really not esoteric at all. It's totally how we interact as humans all the time. And we just happen to do that with instruments in our hands. For Cross Currents, I'm Julie Kane.